Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show where a hunk of burning love means that wonderful pipe full of wonderful tobacco and not some infectious disease. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you 100% pre-recorded. Why? Because I'm in Las Vegas right now for the IPCPR. As I record this, it's uh, Saturday evening, the 8th, and I'm leaving on Sunday to head to Vegas. Uh... On tonight's show, though, I'm going to talk in depth about Sassini pipes. A question came up on them, and I want to go back into some detail on Sassini pipes, old and new. My guest tonight is uh, pipe maker and tattoo artist Neil Monier, better known as uh, Neil uh, Garage Made Pipe Tool. Uh, We'll have him on the show. It was a lot of fun talking to Neil, and uh, I know you'll enjoy it. Plus, he makes uh, pipes and sells them at a really reasonable price. Uh, Music, a a quick mailbag, and uh, rant, all that coming up at the end of tonight's show. Uh, Yes, uh, as I I said, I'm uh, I'm in uh, Elvis land and uh, heading off to Vegas, and it's the IPCPR. And this will be the first year of the IPCPR in a long time where I have not had to uh, worry about setting up a booth or staffing a booth or all that stuff. Uh, My job will be to go around and talk to the exhibitors about advertising in our trade magazine or our two consumer magazines, uh, Cigars and Leisure and uh, Pipes and Tobaccos magazine. So I'll be spending a lot of time wandering around the show floor meeting with exhibitors, talking to retailers as I can catch them. Uh, So it'll be an interesting show for me. I'll also get a chance to see a whole lot more of the product than I've seen probably in uh, eight years. So I'm really, uh, really kind of looking forward to that. Uh, And uh, and again, I'll uh, get to get myself over to In-N-Out Burger a couple of times because they put one right on the strip. And I happen to be staying... At the hotel right next door. So that'll be nice. All right, let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. All right, when we are talking about uh, English pipes, the big five, and this is just my opinion, but I am the leading expert on my own opinion, the The big five are Dunhill Cheriton, Camoys, Barling, and Sassini. And perhaps getting the least amount of love is Sassini. However, in my experience, uh, some of the best smoking pipes I've owned and own now in the old in my little English collection are the two Sassinis. Uh, remember, Joel Sassini worked for Alfred and then left and introduced his own pipe in uh, 1920 and uh, put one dot on it. 
uh, he uh, quickly was told uh, no, no, no by a certain Alfred Dunhill. And that's when you get the introduction of the four dots. They're four very tiny dots shaped in a diamond shape. Um, one of the things that Sassini did was you'll either see a selected by and maybe a retailer's name on there, but each one of the shape names is a different city. Uh, some of the more, uh, you know, the, the common ones you'll see out there are uh, Hurlingham, because that's just, that's your traditional apple. Um, Grosvenor is a, is a bulldog. And uh, so you, you'll see a, you know, you'll see some standard shape names out there. Now, during that time, they also came out with uh, the eight dot. Uh, the eight dot came out in the nineteen in the late nineteen twenties, early nineteen thirties, and uh, yeah, that was a little bit higher grade. When you're back in the uh, pre World War II era, you'll see a patent number on there, and you'll also see a Sassini script name that looks like it has the uh, the little uh, little fish underneath it as the tail of the logo. Uh, then post World War II. Uh, Alfred Sassini took over the uh, took over the company, and you'll start to see things change, and you'll start to see the name Four Dot Walnut, Four Dot Rustic, and you'll start to see uh, Finnish names added to the Four Dots. Before that, there were no Finnish names. Um, what I think you'll find with Sassini is perhaps a a slightly more elegant, more delicate shape than what you might find with a Dunhill. Uh, when you start getting into collecting Sassinis, it's really hard to collect by grade of Sassini. Uh, yeah, you want to get a one dot, you want to get some four dots and eight dots in the different shapes, but it, it, in my opinion, it gets really hard to collect them by, uh, by grain quality. Uh, to me, Sassini was... And you'll see some of them where they say selected straight grain or special straight grain or I forget all the designations that they have for them. But they weren't so much into the different grains and gradings that you'll uh, that you'll find on some of the other pipes of their era. Um, you'll find you know, just really nicely shaped pipes you the more collectible ones are the older ones with the patent number but even as you go uh into some of the uh some of the post world war 2 early 60s stuff just some really nicely shaped pipes with some great uh, great smoking qualities to them uh Sassini was also uh yeah fairly uh Fairly proficient in uh, creating different kinds of different sub brands, so just start looking for that London made or made by Sassini name. Uh, the fantail or the fishtail was one of their one of their favorite ones. It's just an exaggerated stem, but it wasn't quite a second. It was maybe a little bit lower priced. Um, but again, uh, Joel Sassini started the family business. Uh, if you're if you're looking around at uh, the the more current stuff on the market, um, not some of my favorite stuff. Uh, you'll see some f 
fairly rough looking pipes uh you know you may want to stay away from ones that are marked uh, that have uh, four or five dots on them and they're marked rough root um you know then you start getting into pipes that are just kind of punched out and using the name uh just real quick on some of the Sassinis, you'll see uh, you'll see a brand called Alfred S, uh, uh, Benaderets, Canadian is another one they used, Coat of Arms, Coronation, Coventry, and I'm just going through the listing on Pipefill.eu. Uh, again, there's Fantail, Friar was another brand, His Royal Highness is another one they used, Ivory, John Bull, which is uh, you know, probably that tobacco brand. Uh, King's Court, just a lot of, uh, and these are these are probably pipes that you can find on eBay for five to seven dollars. You clean them up, and some of these are going to go back to the 30s and 40s of uh, of Sassini, and I'm sure they're going to be great smokers for you. Uh, again, if you want to read more on Sassini, go to Pipedia, P-I-P-E-D-I-A dot O-R-G, and uh, while you're there, you know, support Scott and uh, help out with a little donation to keep Pipedia going. All right. In just a minute, we'll have Neil on the phone with me. This is Internet Radio. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenay's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell and Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us, and I, I got to tell you, Neil, two things caught me. Uh, tattoos and everyday pipes for everyday people. So I'm excited to have a tattoo artist and pipe maker, uh, Neil Monier, on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Neil, welcome to the show. Hi, how you doing? Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, so did I pronounce your last name right? Yes. Yes, you did. Okay, so explain, I appreciate it. explain the last name. <laughs> Uh, it's, uh, it's French. Uh, my dad was uh, born and raised in uh, Opelousas, Louisiana, uh, so Cajun heritage. And now, were you born and, uh, there, or did or did he transplant, or did you transplant after uh, he was? <laughs> uh, he actually moved out to uh, California to live with an uncle of mine. He had uh, he had gotten into a little bit of trouble in school and. Uh, yeah, his dad passed away when he was pretty young, and uh, so uh, my grandmother sent him out to live with my uncle and get straightened out, and that's how he ended up in uh, California. So, are you were you born in Southern California? 
I was actually born in uh, Seattle, Washington, and we moved here when I was three. So you don't remember a thing about Seattle at all? You're a native Southern Californian. Uh, yeah, yeah, for the most part. I mean, we used to go back uh, when my grandmother was alive. Uh, every summer we'd take a trip to visit for a couple weeks and uh, did that up until I was about 15 or 16. I can't remember which. Uh, uh, so what, when you were growing up, what did you want to be when you grew up? Because I don't know of too many people in like, you know, middle school or high school that want to be a tattoo artist? Um, Honestly, I knew I wanted to do something with art. Um, Yeah, I was like a little punk rock skateboard kid, so (laughs) it was always drawn on things that I shouldn't have been and uh, all that good stuff. (laughs) And when when did you graduate from high school? I was 94. Okay. And then uh, I actually just, started. I'm just trying to figure out if I threw you out of Disneyland at any time while I worked there, because you would have, you would have been like uh, ten, eleven, twelve when I was working there, and you might have been an obnoxious little kid. I yeah, I was kind of a poor kid, so we didn't uh, we didn't get to Disneyland unfortunately too often. Yeah, well, and that was that was back when the tickets were you know fifteen bucks for a day. 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what'd you do? So you, you have an artistic talent, obviously. Uh, where'd you go after school and how did we get to you doing ink? Uh, after school, uh, like I said, I was, you know, really into punk rock and skateboarding and, uh, and all that stuff. So, uh, a friend of mine had got an apprenticeship at a local, uh, tattoo shop in Norwalk and uh just kind of started hanging out there and uh really fell into it you know he uh he unfortunately uh got involved in doing some pretty gnarly drugs and ended up losing his apprenticeship and uh i kind of slid into his place and uh what entails in a how does one learn how to do tattooing who Who's the first victim you get to play with? Uh, the guy that taught me made me uh, made me do my first few tattoos on myself. Ow! And then, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, after that, it was it was a lot of friends and uh, yeah, people of that sort. So there's no uh, practice dummies or uh, any uh, just you know sitting you know maybe chasing after a <laughs> chasing after a homeless dog or something to tattoo it. <laughs> no, no, we did tattoo a couple of uh, homeless people. We pulled off the street and uh, bought them lunch and tattooed them and then uh, sent them on their way. I mean, nowadays they they have. Uh, practice skin and all kinds of weird stuff. It, it, it's a different industry than it was when I first started out. How long does it take, in your opinion, for somebody to get really proficient doing tattoos? Uh, it, it really depends on the person. Um, I myself have uh, apprenticed, uh, well, to completion, I've apprenticed uh, three people, um, yeah, one of them was 
just under two years. Uh, the other two were about two and a half, three years. Uh, it, it really depends on the person, their drive, and uh, and their ability. Really, I mean, you know, they uh, if they take it seriously and really put the effort in. I mean, uh, honestly, the uh, the one guy probably would have been good to go after a year. But, uh, yeah, just wanted to make sure that he was, uh, he was well-rounded. You know, a lot of, uh, a lot of people nowadays, uh, skip the apprenticeship and it's part of, part of one of the downsides of the industry now is you get a lot of people that want to start tattooing and instead of going the, uh, the traditional route of an apprenticeship, you know, they'll get all the information online and, uh, open up a shop and, uh, Unfortunately, because of that, you know, there's a lot of bad work out there, and uh, and the uh, the industry, especially in our area, has become way oversaturated with tattoo shops. <laughs> there's almost as many as as Seven Elevens on the street corner. Oh, there's honestly in the uh, in the city where my shop's located, we've actually got more tattoo shops than Seven Elevens. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah yeah all right let's let's switch over to pipe smoking when when did you uh what got you involved in smoking a pipe oh well, it was back in uh 2009 it was shortly after uh i opened the shop you know being a brand new shop we were really slow so uh me and my helper at the time this kid jeff you know we happened to go to a local smoke shop and uh, to get some cigarettes, and you know, we thought it'd be kind of funny to buy a couple of corn cobs and some Captain Black cherry tobacco, and you know, we'd sit out there and smoke them every morning and get tongue bite, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it kind of became an on and off, on again, off again thing until uh, uh, probably about. Two years ago, I've been pretty much a daily daily smoker or pipe smoker. Where did you Where did you go to get the real information? Because you know, obviously that little that little corner tobacco stop uh, tobacco shop wasn't going to be able to help you. Uh, online, yeah, YouTube, uh, uh, different pipe forums. Uh, yeah, I got a little uh, got a little obsessed with it. And <laughs> just tried to read as much as I could and find out how to do the things the right way and all that, you know, I think like a lot of people do. So after the corn cob, yeah. did you buy a briar? I did. I did. Uh, the, uh, the first decent briar pipe that I bought was a, uh, a little Rossi, uh, uh, the three twenty seven L shape, the yep. little Chevy Prince. Or author, sorry. Yeah. And uh, yeah, once I bought that, I obviously it was a huge difference in how it smoked compared to the uh, the corn cob. And then and I think from that point, that's what really hooked me. You know, okay. I saw what it could be at that point, as opposed to just kind of fumbling through it. And did you start uh, experimenting with different kinds of tobaccos? Oh yeah, I went I went nuts with that. I yeah you know, I started going around to different uh different smoke shops and cigar shops and 
buying anything and everything uh, <laughs> I can get my hands on, really. And uh, yeah, at first, I think like a lot of people, a lot of aromatics and uh, things of that sort, and ended up with a lot of stuff that I hate and still have. And I keep saying I'm going to take it to uh, one of our pipe club meetings and, and dump it on somebody, but... <laughs> 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 maybe maybe you could find a homeless guy to practice a tattoo on and give him some tobacco too right <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah, if, if you're homeless in Orange County, California run right now um, what was <laughs> so so did you have like that magic aha moment when you found the, the pipe and the right kind of or the tobaccos that you really liked Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, like I said, it, once I had bought that Rossi, uh, I mean, it was the greatest pipe, but it was so much better than I caught them. And then, uh, you know, that kind of, from that point, I really started, you know, looking at videos online and trying to figure out how to pack it correct. And, you know, and that just confused the hell out of me because everybody's got an opinion, obviously. Um but it definitely, you know, reading the forums and people talking about the different types of tobaccos and, and all that, it really piqued my interest. So, you know, I, I started finding things that I liked and then buying similar blends, you know, based on what was in them and then kind of kind of went from there. Now, are you uh, are you are you able or do you get a chance to smoke a couple bowls a day or is it? at the end of the day when it's time to relax? I, I smoke at least two bowls a day. Uh, I've got a, uh, I've got a 30 to 45 minute commute, uh, to work well, one way. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still a cigarette smoker. Unfortunately, I'd like to quit that, but it is what it is. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I used to chain smoke in the car when I was driving and then I, now I'll just, I'll pack a bowl before I leave the house. And then by the time I'm pulling in, I'm just about finished with it. And I do the same on the way home. And it and makes, then, uh, makes that traffic a whole lot easier to deal with. It really does. It really does. And, and yeah, a 30, awesome. a 30 minute commute where you live, that's probably just four or five miles. Yeah, pretty close to it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, have you ever yeah. done any tattoos with pipes in it or pipe tattoos? Uh, I have. Uh, only one, actually. Uh, it was an old uh, an old uh, um, Burt Brim design. Uh, it's a skull sitting on a, a book, and he's got like the uh, little graduation cap, whatever they call that. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I tattooed that, but that's the only Piper-related tattoo that I've done. I'd like to do more, but that's a perfect we'll place for us to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about pipe making. And then I'll ask you why are why are seventy five percent of the tattoos filled with evil dead things in them? So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute.
Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog and the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> In fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to SmokingPipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Neil, whose actual name on Facebook is Neil Garage Made Pipe Tool, which is, that's a very long last name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, Neil, why is it that most of the, I mean, a lot of tattoos are, you know, skulls and evil stuff and gory and stuff like that. Is it, <laughs> you have any idea what's going on with those people that want all that? Uh, honestly, uh, you know, back in the day, you know, people that got tattooed were, you know, tough guys or wanted to be tough guys or wanted to look like tough guys. So I think, I think that had a lot to do with it, uh, honestly, but, or, uh, or they wanted a picture of their mother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That too. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't tell you really, you know, it's almost like, uh. Maybe it's uh, like armor for him or something, you know. Makes them feel a little better about themselves for all it's, that on some levels. Um, it's it's war I, paint. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I know when I was younger, and you know, I started getting skulls tattooed on it on myself and visible tattoos. Um, you know, part of the reason was so people would leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now let's get into pipe making because you've uh you've started making pipes uh how many have you made at this point uh at this point i've made over 300 so you're so yeah you're you're not real brand new at it but <laughs> uh what made you decide that you wanted to make your own uh oh well, i had a couple tunnel surgery uh, back in 2015, and uh, I had started making tampers before this, and uh, after the surgery, I couldn't tattoo, and it was kind of out of frustration. I mean, I figured uh, I'd try it out. You know, I bought some uh, I bought some briar and ebonite, and I had a little Harbor Freight lathe, and uh, and I made my first pipe, and then. Uh, Kind of took off from there, really. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it was my, I think it was my fifth pipe, fifth or sixth pipe I sold to a friend of mine, um, and uh, yeah, just started posting online and started selling a lot of them really quickly, and uh, you know, which yeah, 
I've always hearing people say you shouldn't sell your first hundred pipes, and and now I know why. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. in all in all honesty, every one of them was a good smoker, but you know they were ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I have definitely uh, yeah. The first year I made pipes, I, I made over two hundred and fifty pipes, and I really tried to slow down, trying to take it seriously and, and improve and. Uh, doing them the way, making them the way that I was, you know, it was very, very production line. Um, and, uh, you know, honestly, I want to be taken seriously as a pipe maker and it's not going to happen unless I continue to try to get better and, uh, and take my time. Well, and one of the, besides the tattoo stuff, which I'm fascinated with because, uh, don't tell anybody, but I've got three and uh none of them are going to win me any awards at a biker bar and they're not going to scare people um (laughs) yeah i'm not real intimidating and looking um but you're you're pricing your pipes i mean a rusticated for 110 120 dollars and that includes shipping so and that's and that's with a hand cut stem on those yes yeah so here's a Here's a perfect price point for people that want a, you know, want a handmade pipe for in the low hundred dollars, and the shapes that I'm seeing online look absolutely fine. Thank you. Uh, was there yeah. was there somebody was, was there a pipe style that inspired you at the start? Uh, you know, right off the bat, it was just I was trying to do my take on on classic shapes, uh, although if you. <laughs> If you look at the early stuff, I'm not sure you can see that. Um, at some point, I I really started getting into the uh, looking at Danish pipe makers and then uh, kind of the uh, the American school of tattooing or tattooing pipe making <laughs> and what's going on right now, just kind of that fusion between the classics and the and the Danish stuff. And um, I really. I, it wasn't anybody in particular or a particular style that that I could put my thumb on. I mean, it just I, I'd see this person doing this or this person doing that, and then trying to trying to emulate it, like you know, a lot of people do when they're learning. Uh, it, was there a shape that gave you fits, and you know, just you had to work on it forever to get it right? Uh, yeah, the, uh, the tomato, uh, gave me a lot of headaches, but, uh, it's actually one of my favorite shapes and, uh, I, one of my, definitely one of my favorite shapes to make now. Um, I, I think once I, uh, kind of relaxed on trying to make it, uh, how, I saw them being made online and tried to put my own spin on it. I think it made it a little bit more enjoyable, less frustrating. <laughs> yeah, you, you kind of released the artist in you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I was, I was one of those kids in school, uh, in art class. Um, you know, they give you something very specific to draw. And it was like pulling teeth to get me to do it. <laughs> you know, but... Yeah, let me put my own spin on it and then I'd go to town. <laughs> Is there a part of the pipe making process that you like more than others? 
at this point, honestly, it definitely, uh, definitely shaping, but, uh, funny enough, I've really, really, really gotten to like, uh, STEM making. Wow. That's, that's like the complete opposite. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it definitely, uh, you know, it's time consuming. I, I think I'm seeing, uh, most of my improvement on my STEM making. And I think that's why I'm enjoying it so much. Um, yeah, I've really been concentrating on small details and, and things like that on my stems and just, just trying to get better. But, uh, Another part of it is when I'm wet sanding a stem, you know, once I've got it all rough shape and I'm doing finishing sanding, I'll usually sit in the recliner with the towel across me and watch TV while I, uh, <laughs> <why> I sand. <laughs> uh, you've done some work with Morta, too. And how different is that from uh, from working with Briar? Uh, it, it's similar. Um, I don't feel it cuts as clean as prior. Um, I mean, it definitely swells a lot more when you wet sand it. But, uh, and it's a little bit harder on the tools as well. But, uh, I've only made, uh, I think I just finished my third mortar pipe. So I'm still learning on that one. You could ask me in a few months and, I could probably give you a better answer. Comparatively, does a block of mortar cost a pipe maker more than a block of briarwood? Uh, high grade briar, I think, is is more expensive. Um, I, I'd say they're they're about on par, huh. depending on where you're where you're getting them from. And I know they have their own, uh, it has its own unique aroma, too. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely different. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Will you take commissions from people? I do, I do. And where can, uh, where can we go to see all your, to see your pipes that you have available? Uh, I have some pipes on, uh, I need to update it, but I have some pipes that are selling through Pipe Hub. Um, I've also got a handful uh, that are in the uh, Country Squire. Oh, good. And uh, and other than that, uh, typically I'll post. Uh, I do the majority of my posting of available pipes on Instagram, and uh, I just signed up for a, a Facebook uh, account. Uh, somewhere between six to eight months ago and then started uh, started selling some through there as well. And what? And since I know nothing about the Instagram or whatever, the, I keep calling it Insta-Snatch because it's that and Snapchat that I don't do anything with. Uh, right. how, how do we find you on there? Uh, my, uh, my name on there is uh, Garage Made Pipe Tool. Okay. And it's just all one word. Um, yeah, I, the name came from when I was making tampers and, uh, unfortunately on Instagram, anytime anybody tags you or anything, if you change your name, then you lose all those tags or all the links to your profile. <laughs> so so you, I just you're stuck with it. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, I want to go back to tattooing for for a minute here. Um where where's the uh, strangest place you've ever tat- put a tattoo on a person? Uh what's the rating on the show? <laughs> <laughs> we can use the scientific names for those parts, can't we? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, you know, ladies, nether regions. Um, <laughs> uh, some of the most unpleasant places that I've tattooed are the armpit, like the actual armpit. Um, oh wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's not a pleasant experience. <laughs> uh, has there been any really, uh, really bizarre or stupid tattoos that you've had people ask you to do? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, some of the ones that I absolutely refuse to do, I I, I won't do anything, uh, racial or anything along those lines. Um, I also won't tattoo anything that's gang related. Oh, you're taking, Uh, you're taking all the fun out of it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, out here in California, I don't know how it is in the rest of the country, but, uh, you know, we got uh, we had this fad going around for a while. We call it the uh, the hipster bodysuit, where, uh, you know, the kid will come in for his first tattoo and want to get his, his throat tattooed and uh, the tops of his hands. And basically what they do is they'll wear a long sleeve, uh, long sleeve shirt, so see the tattoos on their hands and their necks and it looks like they got a bodysuit. <laughs> That's pretty creative. Yeah, yeah. But uh I honestly any any young kid coming in uh trying to get their neck or their hands tattoos, we we won't do it. Uh for those you that know, are uh, for those that are thinking about getting their first tattoo, uh what what advice do you have for them? Uh, first of all, make sure it's <laughs> something that you're going to be happy with 20 years from now. <laughs> and uh, also, more important than anything else, do your research. Find a good tattooer. Go in, look at their books. Make sure that the quality's there. Um, you'd be surprised how many people come into the shop They've never been tattooed there before. They want to get a tattoo. And the first thing we do is invite them to look at our books. Honestly, 90% of the time, they don't have any interest in hmm. looking at the books. And unfortunately, you know, with a lot of uh, a lot of bad shops in the area, you know, they end up with bad work or, uh, you know, stuff like that. So the best thing you can do is just do your research. You know, and go in and talk to the artist beforehand. And if you're not vibing with them, then find somebody else. And for you know, those that don't know, how do you how do you get paid? I mean, I I know that if it's a if it's a custom piece of art, it's for your time to draw the art and then for your time to actually tattoo it. But uh, yeah, how does how does it work? Uh, typically, um, you know, a tattoo that we can do in one setting we'll give a, a price up front. Uh, anything that's going to require multiple hours and uh, 
multiple sessions. It's hourly at that point. What's the longest it's taken you to ever do a single tattoo? In one sitting? No, total. Total time worked on one on one image. On one image. Uh Probably seven hours. Wow. I mean, that's seven hours of you leaning over that person and that person holding still. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's just one tattoo start to finish um, in one sitting. Um, you know, I do have a lot of larger pieces uh, out there that aren't finished yet, you know, back pieces and things of that sort. and you know, I, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've got a lot of clients that, you know, they'll come in and they'll get a big tattoo lined out on their back, but instead of working on their back, they'll come get a new tattoo or a new outline of something else. And <laughs> it's really hard to get somebody to commit to finishing a, a full back piece. Yeah. And I guess you, as the artist, you don't want to spend much more than an hour or so with the uh, with the gun in your hand, and you want to take breaks, and they want to take a break because uh, it's not real comfortable sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, typically I, I try not to take breaks. Um, I also try to limit the amount per session to two hours. Um, after my carpal tunnel surgery, it's just anything over three hours is really, really murder on my hand. Um, not only that, but once you get past that three hour mark, people really start getting squirrely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll just tell you that the chest hurts unless you don't, unless you have, uh, unless you got a lot of meat on there, the chest hurts. Um, oh yeah. But, uh, the, Tattoo shop, if you're interested, is American Vintage Tattoo. It's in Orange, California, and uh, Google search it, and you'll find all kinds of information on them. And you can look at pictures on their uh, Facebook page, which I've been doing while we were talking. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, got a great, great bunch of guys working for me. And with that, we will wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Yes, sir. What is your favorite pipe? Uh, currently, it's a little bent acorn I made for myself. And what is your favorite tobacco? Uh, at the moment, it's Penzance. Uh, good luck finding it. Um, what's your favorite <laughs> drink? Uh, hands down, iced tea. <laughs> okay, good. Um when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Uh, music. And the final question is, do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory that we didn't talk about? Uh, you know, it's, it's such a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think about it earlier before. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I mean, honestly, pretty much any any one of the meetings that I've attended at the uh, Los Angeles Pipe Club. I mean, it's it's always a little bit more fun each time, I feel. And you know, but, uh, it's always good to hang out with yeah. a bunch of pipe smokers. Oh, yeah. yeah. It doesn't get much better than that. <laughs>
Yeah. Neil, thank you very much for uh, joining us. Oh, thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. And we'll be back in just a minute. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 Collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking archipelago red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show Again, pre-recorded, but hey, I'm back with you. Uh, you know what? Check out Neil's. Check out Neil's pipes. I'm serious. Uh, great looking stuff for the for the price, and uh, really, really cool looking tattoos. Wish I could. Uh, wish I had the body to get one of those really big, colorful. Yeah, I don't. Know. Anyway, I dream about it. But all right, let's skip. Uh, let's get uh, going here to music. Uh, for music tonight, back to Lalo Schifrin, and I found a uh, copy of his, uh, or a version of his theme song from the movie The Cincinnati Kid, and this is off of an album called uh, uh, Jazz Goes to Hollywood, and it's Lalo Schifrin uh, conducting a jazz band, doing all of his stuff, and uh, anyway, this is this is just kind of cool, so... It's the Cincinnati Kid written by pipe smoker Lalo Schifrin. He came with the name Cincinnati, a kid with no ace in the hole. His heart and soul He played night and day Like a demon And prayed for that one lucky day When the lush royal flush Of his dreaming ooh, Is just a
thought that was a perfect song for me to play before I uh, head off to Vegas and uh, maybe I'll change my name to the Cincinnati Kid when I hit the poker tables in Las Vegas. Check your mailbox, you moron! And that's what I look like at a poker table most of the time. Alright, in the mailbag, uh, and again, just four comments as of Saturday night, but New Broom says, Great show, easy listening, and having a bowl. I got one of those vests and don't use it. I used it once and it had so many damn pockets in it. <laughs> it was always a treasure hunt. <laughs> He's talking about uh, talking about Dino and the uh, and the fishing vest. Yeah, I could I could see that. I do that just with a sports coat on. And then Newbroom says, if I were to attend a show though, I'd wear it. It's actually kind of heavy and has seventeen or more pockets. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, Pipe Smoking Biker said, Great interview, Brian Dino is an interesting guy with a lot of great stories. I also enjoyed the Phil Kagey cover of Here Comes the Sun. The funny part is that I was listening to the music segment on my headphones at work. The original Beatles version of the song came on the radio in the background. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we planned that. We worked that out. So we're, uh, we're helping out the Beatles because they're an upstart band. Uh, and then Casey Ghost writes, Real good show. I'd never make it with Dino's pipe cleaning method. Way too many steps, and I don't suffer the problems with green stem that Dino does. It doesn't take a genius to appreciate that Dino has a wide range of music interests. I like traditional bluegrass, very traditional country music, and traditional opera. I don't have a real good ear for music, so the opera has to be in person. Obviously, the radio isn't much use for me. Uh, You know, it's just not for some people. Hey. And then Dino said, Brian, thank you so very much for the chance to be part of the show. It was a lot of fun. I hope I didn't bore everyone with my endless stories. It's just that like uh, Sidney Greenstreet's Casper Gutman, I like talking to a man who likes to talk. <laughs> and then uh, Dino says, Phil Kagey is uh, among my favorite guitarists. Great choice. Thanks again, Dino. Dino, thanks for being a, a, great, uh, a great guest and a great way to kick off the summer series. Uh, remember, 
I've got, I had one cancellation, so I got one more spot for a show listener as the guest host and to host Pipe Parts. So email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, or uh, send me a message on Facebook, or, uh, I don't know, send a carrier pigeon my way. We'll figure it out. We'll get the information to us. Um, again, I'm in Las Vegas this week, moving next week, so this is all pre-recorded next week as well. And then uh, in uh, three shows from now, I'll give you a recap of what happened in Vegas and how the uh, and how the move into the new house went. All right, in just a moment, rant time. hotels of las vegas there's one thing they know how to do they know how to make money all right in the past uh, 20 or 15 years they've had to switch over from making all their money off of gambling to making all their money off of other things like entertainment restaurants uh yeah they each one now has a late night club with loud music and expensive drinks and i'm not sure what all you do in those but Here's one way they could uh, make, may, you know, maybe make some people happy. Keep the pools open until uh, 8 o'clock. Just during the summertime, till 8 o'clock. Alright, 7.30. I'll even be happy with 7.30. But no, every one of the big Las Vegas hotels closes their pools at 6 o'clock. Why do they close their pools at 6 o'clock? I'm guessing it's because they want you out of the damn pool and into the casino or into the nightclubs or into the bars or into the restaurants. Well, for those of us that might like to, uh, you know, go swim or sit in the pool after a long day at a trade show, well, you get back to the room maybe by 5.30, so you got, what, 15 minutes to go down there and splash around? That really doesn't work. You know, honestly, after being in a uh, in a convention center hall for that long, it's nice to go outside, splash around in the water, and yes, it's hotter than Hades out there, okay? It's a hundred and it'll be a hundred and five degrees in Las Vegas while I'm out there. But still, to get outside, get some sunshine after being on a trade show, maybe splash around in the pool, wear my speedo. I I'm just kidding about the speedo. I don't want anybody getting getting an upset stomach thinking of it. Uh but uh you know, honestly, it'd be nice to go back and sit by the pool, maybe have a beer, maybe smoke my pipe, splash around in the pool for a little bit, and stretch out after a long day of walking the trade show floor. Please, 7.30? I'll, I'll be happy with 7.30. Anyway, there you go. Um, if you have any comments or questions, please email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, or post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page for this episode. You can follow me on Facebook, and I will be uh, posting, hopefully, some pictures from Las Vegas and directly from the show floor. And again, I'll be uh, out on the show floor wandering around, so I'll have plenty of time to take pictures, maybe catch a little bit of video, and I'll I'll do my best to put them up and uh, get, get you guys some uh, direct uh, contact uh, or direct information directly from the show floor itself right there in Las Vegas. Um, if you're on iTunes... 
rating or review would be absolutely wonderful. It's been a little bit of time since we've had one. And please tell your friends about the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right. Oh, I did get some grumblings about uh, no Easter egg at the end of uh, last week's show. So we'll go back to normal for uh, for the rest of the summer, I promise. So thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to uh, Neil for joining me. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Oh, can I get you something else? I mean, you really shouldn't leave here without getting something for free. Why ruin a perfect night? Listen, um, bring a single malted uh, Glengarry for me and one for my boy Mikey here. And if you tell the bartender to go easy on the water, then this 50-cent piece has your name written all over it.